0: Good evening, everyone. Once more, open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Tonight, Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. Like I said, uh, and I've been telling you, in Proverbs, you'll find mostly scattered verses, verses that don't necessarily lead one to the next, but verses that seem more randomly arranged as a collection of wisdom instructions. But there are several places where you find one section, a section that obviously is intended to teach one big message. And honestly, there are several big sections like the one we're looking at tonight. Obviously, the teaching uh, that is contained in, in this scripture is one that's very, very important in the book of Proverbs Proverbs is very practical. And for the most part, we say we like practical sermons. We want things practical. But the problem with practical things is they always pertain to things we have to practice. Do you understand? They always pertain to things we have to practice. And that is why when you start getting practical, you really begin to get into the mess of people's lives. Uh, This morning's sermon on, on work, I was very, very... Um, It was heavy upon me. I was concerned with how it would sound to all of the people unemployed in our congregation, for example, or or all of the folks who, for whatever reason, cannot do what they once did. You always have to be concerned with with, with how sermons sound, and especially when you're talking about the stuff of everyday life. Proverbs chapter 5 becomes the stuff of of everyday life, and especially in relationships. And so we're going to turn our attention there tonight. How many of you in this house that are married? Go ahead and raise your hand. How many of you hope one day perhaps to be married? Uh, go ahead. Everybody keep your hands up. You're married or, or wish to be married? Okay. Raise your hands. Yeah, perhaps be married one day. Okay. Uh, of all of you who've just raised your hands, how many of you one day uh, intend to commit adultery? And yet, uh, if you follow statistics, so many of us will. And it's staggering and it's heartbreaking. And even in a church congregation like ours, marriage is struggle. And there are always, uh, at any given time, a crisis of faithfulness in marriages, even among our fellowship. Uh, As pastor, it's heartbreaking to me because I have a sense, and I think you do too, of what God wants to do with our church and what God could do with our church if we were all serving him and and loving him and able to follow him with, with complete and dedicated hearts. But, but the problem is so many of us at any given time are really struggling in our marriages, really struggling at home. And if things are not right in your marriage, if things are not right in those vital key relationships at home, then nothing is right. And the energy that we would spend serving the Lord, the energy that we might spend growing in faith, all of that energy is spent in a marriage that absolutely sucks the life. But I think we have to recognize that the devil has a special target on us in our relationships. The devil comes up against your marriage. If you're a single person, the devil will attack your sexual purity in every way that he possibly can. Obviously, the devil wants to destroy relationships and especially to destroy marriages. And we should not be ignorant of his schemes there. The obvious reason for that is that God has a wonderful plan for us and a wonderful plan for our marriages. And marriage is supposed to be such a life-giving, such a spiritually invigorating part of our lives. And that's why the devil wants to destroy you there. If he can ruin the relationship between you and your spouse and he can, for all practical purposes, take you out of commission when it comes to doing the spiritual battle that... Proverbs gives a, a, a tremendous amount of space to the whole issue of marriage and sexual purity before and after marriage. And for that reason tonight, I want us to spend some time and look at one of those, just one of those passages from Proverbs chapter 5. Now remember, those of you tonight, you're not married, think, ah, I should have stayed home, I'm not married, I don't need this. Oh, yes, you do. Uh, understand that, that Proverbs in a lot of ways is written as instruction to young people. So the original sons and daughters who would be hearing this kind of teaching, they weren't necessarily married either. But the wise fathers and mothers, the wise Holy Spirit, wants us to learn what to expect in marriage and what God's plan is for our marriages. And so that's why this scripture speaks to every single one of us in whatever stage of life you find yourself. There are really three sections here, and you'll notice that the first section, uh, verses uh, 1 through uh, 1 through 14, I would say, is that first section. It's kind of the the negative reason why you should not fall into sexual impurity or or adultery. Then 15 through about 20, these are the positive. This is the wonderful reason to stay pure, the celebration of sexuality in marriage. Uh, And then the final verses remind us that, uh, that we stay pure because God watches us. But follow along in Scripture tonight. Follow along on the screens. I have edited... Some of these verses to make them family friendly. God's word is just that good. Uh, Proverbs chapter five, verse one. Listen, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've learned. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave, for she cares nothing about the path to life. She staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't realize it. So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I am about to say. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor and you will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Strangers will consume your wealth and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. In the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. You will say, how I hated discipline. If only I had not ignored all the warnings... Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I pay attention to my instructors? I've come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. Verse 15, drink water from your own well. Share love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets, having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers." Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or embrace the bosom of a promiscuous woman? For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. Let's begin with a love song of sorts tonight. It's one that's perhaps familiar to you if, if, if you've been around at, at any period of time. This is a song made popular by Whitney Houston, probably when I was in college, which means some of you weren't born. Um, but, 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 but this is the song. Chances are some of you have liked this song. Maybe some of you even loved this song. I'm hoping by the time you listen to it with me, you won't care for it anymore because I really want you to listen. I don't have the words for you because I want you to listen to what she's singing about. It's a love song, but what kind of love song? H- hit it, Rick, please. Listen. A few stolen is all that we share. Listen. You've got your No. one, let's admit, that's a beautiful song. That is a beautiful song. If it were not for what she's singing about, that is a beautiful song. Why is it so beautiful? Yeah, the love is all misplaced. It's in the wrong place. It's beautiful because the book of Proverbs tells you that the adulteress's song is going to be beautiful. The, the, the song of sexual temptation is always going to be beautiful. That song is the song of the adulteress. Did you listen? Are you listening to the words of that? This is a woman saving all her love for a married man, somebody else's husband. You're still thinking that's a beautiful song? Oh, my goodness. That is the adulteress's song. And honestly, a lot of the songs you hear in the world about love are songs about impure, songs about love that are perverted, songs that make love something that God did not intend love be. That is a vile song, an an evil song, and especially evil because it makes sin sound so beautiful. That makes adulterous affair sound like the most gorgeous, heartbreaking, beautiful thing in the world. And it's exactly what the scripture says. Uh, verse chapter 5, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Verse 3, the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as poison. Now of course the problem with us in our lives is that is that when you meet the, the the sexual temptation the source of temptation you're thinking that you know this this passage describes some sort of love monster this passage describes this this woman or in, in perhaps a man who who seems so on the outside attractive he sounds like the the right man for you and always sexual temptation is going to look good and sound good and smell good And and feel good. And this is the problem. This is the problem. When you face this temptation, it's going to be someone who really appeals to you. And it's going to be very difficult to recognize that this person is going to lead you down a path that will destroy you. Very difficult to understand because he's your prom date. You understand? He's a guy that you've known from school. It's a woman you work with for for the life. She doesn't mean to lead you down the path of death. This is the way sin works. And this is the way this particular sin works every time. Every time. The the adulteress, the one leading you into temptation, they don't even necessarily know what they're doing. They can be just like you, blindly walking into a trap. But, but this is the, the problem, that the, the adulteress, the one who tempts you, is not going to show up with a t-shirt saying adulterer, that the person who's going to give you a sexually transmitted disease will not wear that on a bracelet or, or a hat. They're just going to look like somebody you'd really like to get with. They're going to sound like somebody who really understands you in a way that your husband really doesn't. You understand? You understand? That's why the the wise teacher in the scripture is saying, you've got to listen to me. You've got to listen to what I'm saying here. You've got to let this lesson go down very, very deep. And what's the main message? Verse 8, talking about this person, this immoral woman. But in your case, understand we're talking about whoever, wherever, that the source of sexual temptation for you, stay away from her. Stay away from her. The Hebrew word there really means stay away from her. Do you understand? It is not complicated. Don't go near the door of her house. Stay away from her. When it comes to sexual temptation, what is the very simple message of Scripture, the very simple message of biblical wisdom? It's really simple. You stay away from it. Stay away from any source of sexual temptation. If you're not married, that means you stay away from every source of sexual temptation. If you are married, it means you stay away from every source of sexual temptation. It is the same for all of us. The devil attacks us in the place of our purity. And our purity is something that belongs to the Lord. And then once you're married, it belongs to your spouse. You do not play with it. You do not make it not valuable. You never stop treasuring your sexual purity. It is always a gift from God and always to be handled with care. Don't go near her, the scripture says. Don't go near the source of temptation. Now, when we were teenagers and our youth director would try to teach us, you know, the sex talk like Frank does probably 20 times a year with our kids because they need it. Whenever you had that talk, what's the question you always ask as a teenager, as a single person? How far is too far? In other words, what's the nature of that question? How far can I go? You see, in other words, would you please draw the line for me? Because I want to stand on it. That's our approach. Tell me how far I can go. I want to know where the line is because, baby, I'm going to live on that line. But that is not what Proverbs says. That is not how wisdom lives. That's not your standard. In other words, you know where the door of her house is? We're not talking about her bedroom. We're talking about just her house. Stay far away from the door of her house. You stay far away In other words, you want a lot of margin here. Wherever the line is, you're not going to go near the line of temptation. You're not even going to go close to the place of temptation. Stay far away from her, far away from the source of temptation. How do you do that? Take some notes here. Let's talk about how to protect the purity in your marriage or how to protect your purity before you're married or as a single person. How do you remove yourself far from her? Number one, this is fundamental. Keep a growing relationship with Christ. You keep a growing relationship with Christ. Young person, married person, single person, whoever you are, the most important relationship in your life is your relationship with Christ. The stronger your relationship with Christ is the stronger every other relationship will be. If your relationship with Christ is where it ought to be, your dating relationships will be where they ought to be. If you and your spouse have relationships with Christ that are as strong as they can be, your marriage will be as strong as it can be. I'm saying you keep yourself in the Word of God and you keep yourself in prayer. And as Scripture says, you keep yourself following being led by, staying in the step with the Spirit. And if you are being led by the Spirit, the Spirit is not going to lead you into sexual impurity. In step with the Spirit, you will not be led into sexual sin. You will not be led anywhere near the vicinity of sexual sin. So you keep first a growing relationship with Christ. Number two, going from what he says, stay far away from her. Number two, avoid all inappropriate places and situations. Avoid all inappropriate places and situations. I'm talking to everybody, single people, married people, talking to you. Avoid all inappropriate. Well, define inappropriate. You're back to it now, aren't you? Aren't you? If there's any question about it being appropriate, stay out, stay away, shut the door. You understand? If your old girlfriend contacts you on Facebook, what do you do? Chat with her, baby. Is is that it? No, you shut the door. You shut the door. You do not go there. You avoid all inappropriate places and situations, whatever that place is. So let's say that you're at work and you find yourself being sexually attracted to another man, a man at work. What do you do in that situation? You're a married woman and this is your job and you find yourself really drawn, really tempted by this man at work. What do you do? I recommend changing jobs. Yeah, I recommend changing jobs. Brother Tim, you're crazy. You know how hard it is to find a job? Let me ask you a question. Do you know how hard it is to find another father for your kids? Find another job if that's what it takes. You do whatever it takes to avoid the inappropriate situation or place. Don't go near it. Wherever the line is, you just live with a whole lot of margin. This is wisdom, brothers and sisters. You're going to miss a whole lot of mess by living this way. Number three. I probably five years ago would have said never be alone with the opposite sex. But I've been around long enough now to recognize that some of you get tempted by people of the same sex. I don't like that. But it's reality. So whatever the source of temptation for you is, you just don't be alone with the wrong people. I know in some of your work situations, sometimes you're even asked to go on a business trip with a person of the opposite sex. I'm saying you've got to have your standards and your principles. Never be alone with the wrong person, with the person of the opposite sex, or any person who is for you a source of temptation. Never be alone. It's a very, very difficult way to live, but people who live this way don't have the kinds of problems that others do. Do you understand? You're making sure that you are never in the situation of temptation. That's why in high school, for teenagers who really are wanting to do some dating, I encourage group dating. Just stay in a group. Go out on double, triple, quadruple, crazillion dates. I mean, just stay in a group. You're much less likely to be tempted in a group. Avoid being alone. Once you realize that that person at school or that person at work is really beginning to to raise up the wrong feelings in you, you have got, you've got to cut that off. You can never be alone with the wrong people. What does the scripture say? Stay far away from her. Not a married folks, not to everybody. Number four, surround yourself with friends in strong marriages. I'd say whether you're married or or single, you need to surround yourself with friends in strong marriages. How many times have you seen that young couple and and they're brand newlywed, but they still have all their old single friends. And so you have this guy who's married and wants to be sexually pure, but he continues to hang around with guys who are wild. And guys who are out there living a, a very sinful, single, sexual life. It's poison to his marriage. This woman who continues to hang around her girlfriends and her girlfriends continue to talk of men in inappropriate ways and the girlfriends who continue to to live their, their lives and stir up all of the wrong feelings in this married woman. You need to surround yourself with friends in strong marriages. We all need that. It's part of the beauty of the body of Christ. And it's part of what we have to maintain and nurture and treasure here in the body of Christ. We don't have perfect marriages. None of us have perfect marriages. But we should all be examples of husbands and wives faithfully before God, giving it all of their best to keep the marriage working and to create happiness together. It's very strengthening to a marriage to be in the company of other strong marriages, That's why I love what Rodney and Sandy are are trying to do in developing a a mentoring program for marriages in our church. A strong marriage is such strength to other marriages. Some of you were blessed to be raised by a godly mother and father who were married, and it wasn't perfect, but they they stayed together and they made it work and they shared a lot of love. And and you can look back over your life and see how the, the blessing of their marriage just overflowed into the lives of other people. Your marriage is meant to do the same thing. When when a man and woman love each other as Christ loves His church, the Scripture says, that is a tremendous witness in the world to the very love of God. Surround yourself with friends who have strong marriages. Verses 9 to 14. Look at what it says. Stay away from her. Verse 8. Don't go near the door of her house. Verse 9. If you do... You will lose your honor and lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Now, the Hebrew word there for honor, what it literally says is is your best strength, your vigor. You will lose your best strength. In my own life, dealing with my own sexual temptations, this is one of the ways that that I have learned to think about my strength, my my best strength. God has given me my sexuality, my my manhood, and it is my strength. It's, It's my best strength. And I want to make sure that I always use that strength in order to honor God and to honor my wife and to honor my family. It is my best strength. So you've got to think, when you fall into sexual temptation, when you are unfaithful to your wife, when you lose your purity or begin to flirt on the edges of your purity as a teenager, you're giving up your best strength. You're giving up your best strength. Let me talk to the men here a second. I know men, we often really struggle and we wonder if we've got what it takes. We always want to prove our strength. And often the way the devil tempts us is to make us feel like the more women we're with somehow, the more of a man we will be. The the more sexual partners we can conquer somehow, that makes us more of a man. Understand the truth and wisdom of this scripture. The more sexually promiscuous you are, the weaker you are. You're giving up your best strength. And not only that, you will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Do you understand that? Do you understand what is at stake for you? To sort of play the whole movie forward before you make the wrong choice in the face of this temptation. I think about what would happen if I messed up in this way and lots of preachers do and lots of men do and I don't want to and I don't plan to because I have a pretty good sense of what's at stake. I mean, let's just start with with you all, with the church. The the verse talks about you'll face public disgrace. You understand what would happen if I failed in this way? I can't imagine standing before you all and and confessing a sin like that and, and resigning my position. I can't imagine losing my ministry for a moment of temptation. But you know that's real, and it's real for you too. I look at what I could lose. And, and then I think about i think about my son, who I really feel like respects me and loves me and honors me as a dad and as a pastor, as a man of God. I don't ever want to do anything that I will have a hard time explaining to him. I don't ever want to lose his respect for me. For all of the things he's heard me preach and everything I've taught him, I don't ever want to do anything that I would have a hard time explaining to that young man. And my wife, the woman who sacrificed so much for what we shared together, the woman who's given me my son and the woman who's given me the life I have, I would never, ever want to hurt her or lose her. This is what the proverb says. You've really got to think about, think about what happens. It even goes so far as to think about the disease. I mean, honestly, do you not understand the, the, the risk of sexually transmitted disease? Do you not understand that? Of course you don't. You never do. You don't think that because the song, the song of sexual temptation is beautiful and it never has a verse about disease, And it never has a verse about all that you're going to lose. It never has that verse. Proverbs has that verse. Proverbs has that verse. Never forget everything you have to lose and everything that is at stake. That's the negative sermon. That's, that's the part of the scripture that gives you the negative reasons why not, why you want to keep yourself pure. But the next part is so much fun and it is so not G rated. Whatever you think about the Bible, uh, you're just, you're just going to have to get over the fact that it's here. This is here and it is just so good. It is so good. Verse 15, drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Wow. I know that there are people in the world who think, wow, what a drag. That sounds so boring. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Anybody who thinks it's boring to make love to the same person for your whole life, you're so stupid. You're stupid on steroids. It is wonderful. It is wonderful. Because no matter how well you think you know that person, you'll spend the rest of your life being surprised by that person. It's wonderful. And it's what God intends. And it is so beautiful. And it is such a celebration. This verse, these verses just explode from the page with joy. God's not keeping you away from anything good. God is trying to send you in the direction of everything that is good. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife, your husband. I love that. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets? Having sex with just anyone, you should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Wow, it is the most beautiful Secret that you share just with your spouse And you don't dishonor it and you don't disrespect it Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you Rejoice in the wife of your youth She is a loving dear, a graceful doe I don't know if she'd enjoy being called that But that's what the scripture calls her Let her breast satisfy you always May you always be, say the word, captivated by her love Captivated by her love. Don't you love that? Always be captivated by your husband, by your wife's love. That word there is an awesome Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is Shaga. Say it. You want to go ahead. Say Shaga. Saga. Yeah, say it. Y'all are, y'all are lame on this. Say it again. Saga. It's a great word. It's a Hebrew word. And it's really a complicated word. It's almost like a whole movie, like a whole video clip here. That one word, saga, has to do with an animal that somehow is drawn into a trap. The animal gets drawn into a trap by some sort of bait and then it gets captured. It gets captured and then the predatory animal comes and ravages it. And that sounds just like your marriage, doesn't it? That sounds exactly like some of our marriages. But honestly, it's supposed to be a beautiful picture. A beautiful picture of falling so head over heels in love that you're just absolutely whipped. You ever heard that phrase? Absolutely whipped. You ever seen that guy? Ronnie Anderson out there in the world. He is smooth. They called him velvet. He's smooth as everything. Independent hippies out there in the world. He is groovy. He is independent and strong, and he's out there at a yard sale one day where all the cool guys hang out, you know, at a yard sale. And he meets one woman, he meets Renee. Yeah. And what happens? Saga. He gets captured, ravaged, and he's done. He's just done. Now you'll see him out there at the mall holding her purse or driving around in a pink car, baby. He drives a pink car. Yeah. He is so whipped. And that's the picture. And honestly, isn't that a great picture? It's exactly what you want. You want to fall so head over heels in love that you don't even know uh, in from one, in from the other anymore. Saga, that's what marriage is supposed to be. And you're supposed to want this and supposed to let it happen. May you always be captivated, Saga, by her love. Is your marriage like that? Do you feel that way? Maybe you used to, but there ain't been no guy at your house now for a long time. I get it. I I understand. But maybe you'd get more guy. you understand, if you would be guy for her once more. Do you understand? This is Scripture. I'm not making this stuff up. This is what marriage is supposed to be. It's kind of like being trapped and ravaged, but in the most liberating and deeply satisfying way. What if it's not? Simple saying. I, didn't, I did not make this up. This is someone else's, but it's a quote. Probably you've heard it. Write this down. Write it down somewhere and give it to somebody who needs to hear it. Maybe it's you. When the grass starts looking greener, write this down. When the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence, it's time to, say the words with me, Water your own yard. When the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence, it's time to water your own yard. And the message of this proverb is very, very simple. To avoid the temptation of adultery. To avoid the temptation of losing the saga in your marriage. To avoid that temptation of looking elsewhere and thinking, I believe I'd be happier over there. When the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence, it's time to water your lawn. In other words, you've got to invest passionately in your marriage. You've got to invest passionately in your marriage. Marriage is hard work. If the preacher who married you didn't tell you that, this preacher's telling you now. It's hard work. And if you think it's going to be easy, then you really, really don't understand what you're in for. But I can tell you're in for a lot of pain. It's hard work. And whenever the husband, whenever that man stops working to make that marriage strong, that marriage is going to begin to be ruined. Or whenever that wife begins to, to, to begin to work against that marriage, it's going to be ruined. It takes work. And you've got to invest passionately, invest passionately in that marriage. So quickly, I have a few, few points for how to do that. Number one, these are easy. Get spiritual. Scripture says, but, beloved, beloved, Let us love one another because love is from God. Love is from God. And everyone who loves knows God. He that does not love does not know God because God is love. 1 John 4 7 and 8. You know those verses. God is love. And if you're ever going to have the kind of relationship that you really crave, whether you're looking forward to marriage or whether you're in a marriage now, it all comes down to your relationship with God. If you don't know God, you will not be a person who knows how to love people. Love is from God. So the deeper you know God, the more freely and passionately you love God, the more, uh, the more, uh, the more extreme your passion and dedication to God the more fulfilling your loving relationships will be. As a husband and wife, the way to water your lawn is to get spiritual, get spiritual. It's really kind of shocking to me how many married couples never pray together, even church couples like the ones I'm looking at. It's kind of pitiful that some of you have been together for years and years and years, and your spouse has never heard your praying voice. And y'all have heard me talk about this, and I know that you think this is just how I'm weird. But I'm telling you, I love my wife. I love everything about her. You know what I'm saying? But listen to me. The thing that captivates me about Casey is her praying voice. We have prayed through heartbreak and miscarriage. We have prayed through disappointment. We have prayed through very, very dark times. And we have prayed on the most joyous of days. But I love her praying voice. I mean, physical sex together is very, very intimate, but I'm telling you, prayer together is even more intimate. You you think that you feel naked when you take your clothes off. When you begin to pray with your spouse, then you really, really feel exposed. And that's why some of you are too big of a chicken to pray with her, to pray with him. You think, well, I can't pray. I I can't pray. Listen to me. You come to church. You you hear deacons and pastors. We stand up here and we pray like professionals, baby. I mean, I think through my prayers sometimes. I ask God to help me to pray well as I lead you all. But, But listen to me. Your family, your wife... Would be much more nourished by the very awkward, stumbling prayer that you would pray at home than any prayer that could be prayed from this pulpit. Are you listening to me? Your wife's soul would be set on fire by your awkward, stuttering, clumsy prayer, much more so than anything she'll hear in this place. Get spiritual. Pray together. Pray about your marriage. Pray about your temptation. Pray about your problems. Get in the Word of God together. Be partners, spiritual partners. Get spiritual. Number two, get alone. Get alone. Some of you have not been alone since Jimmy Carter was president. I'm not kidding, Emma. Some of you have not been alone. It's been that long. And you didn't expect it to be this long, but it just is. You haven't been alone in ages, ages. Get alone. You know what The old saying is, in order to have what you once had, you've got to do what you once did. In order to have what you've never had, you've got to do what you've never done. Do you understand? Marriage takes work. And you've got to get alone. And I know that's hard, but it's worth it. Whatever it takes, get alone. Find some time to get alone. Well, we can't afford a babysitter. That's fine. Put them in a room where they're safe and lock the door for a while. They'll be okay. They'll be okay. While you connect and get together, you've got to have alone time. A marriage cannot flourish if everybody else is in the picture. You gotta root mama out of the picture. You gotta get her parents out of the picture. You gotta get your kids out of the room. You've got to get alone. Some of you, your marriage is struggling because there are too many people in it, too many characters involved. you got to carve something out, a whole life that really only belongs to the two of you. Well, we love our kids. We can't get a babysitter. We love to be with our kids. Don't you understand? You will be parents of these kids for the rest of your life, but honestly, you're only going to have them at home for the shortest amount of time. And the best thing you can give your kids is a mom and dad who are psyched with one another. Do you understand? Best thing you can give your kids is a mom and dad who are passionate for one another. Get alone. Number three, I'm almost done. Get transparent. What do I mean by that? Transparent is something you can see through. In, in, uh, In other words, don't be so hard for the other person to read and understand. Get transparent. It's like I say, you've been together for years now. You you feel like you know each other, so you've quit working very hard. You, You don't understand. You really don't know each other. For one thing, we're always changing. Life changes me. It changes Casey. And we have to continue talking so that we can stay caught up with one another. We've got to be transparent. You think you know him so you can read his mind. You come in and you know what he's thinking. He's out there mowing that yard because he's thinking if he stays on a lawnmower, he won't have to take you out. That's what he's thinking. And you don't know. He's probably thinking the yard needs mowing. It may not be about you at all. You cannot read the man's mind. I don't care how well you think you know him. You've got to talk You've got to talk And you've got to connect hearts And of course it's hard work Of course it is Talking's usually harder for the man than for the woman I'm telling you, talking is exhausting for a man It's hard work, absolutely and Did you hear the whole sermon today? When we talk about working at your marriage This is what we're talking about You have to talk to her And listen to her You've got to share hearts Get transparent Number four Get naked. I take this directly from Proverbs chapter 5, if you're thinking about firing me for saying that. It comes right out of Scripture. Get naked. Get naked. Marriage is God's gift. And sex is God's gift. And it is intended to be good and wonderful for a wife and her husband that's where it belongs. And in that context, it is not vulgar and it is not dirty. And we can talk about that in church in tasteful terms and we can celebrate it. And I can say to you that as a husband and wife, you've got to preserve that beautiful intimacy, that physical intimacy that you share only with one another. Get naked. And then, number five, get help. If your marriage is in trouble, get help. Just get help, find somebody, find another married couple that you trust or find a pastor or a counselor, somebody, but get help. Don't you understand what's at stake here? Don't you understand how the devil gets up early every single day to attack your marriage? You've got to work hard to defeat him. You've got to work hard to make your marriage everything that it's meant to be. If you will not put in the work, if you're lazy in this area, Your marriage will go to ruin. If you're in trouble, get help. Get help. Don't let your marriage fail. Don't give up. Never give up. Any final thoughts from anyone? Y'all are stuck on getting naked, aren't you? Okay. Okay. Let's stand together. Let's pray tonight and be dismissed. I love you so much. I know that Wallace Morris would never have preached that. I understand that Wallace was the pastor here when I was a young man. Um, you just have to sit in my chair. You just have to talk to the couples I talk to. You just have to understand how people hurt and how marriages struggle, how they fall apart. You just got to understand. I feel like this is something I have to preach so strongly because this is something that will destroy your lives and break your hearts if you don't get right. Uh, Marriage is God's plan for many of us and we have to get it right. Let's pray together. Oh, God, it was you that looked down and saw that it was not good for Adam to be alone. You brought a partner for him, perfect partner. God, I thank you, Lord, for those of us in this house who have been blessed to find that partner. Although, Lord, sometimes perfect's not the word we use to describe our relationships. We really struggle, Lord. We struggle emotionally and we struggle sexually and and we struggle financially and we struggle and struggle and struggle. It doesn't always feel like what we signed up for. When we when we got married, Lord, we weren't thinking about how hard it would be on a whole lot of days. Lord, I pray tonight for the couples who are so close to giving up. Lord, I just pray that you give them new hope. Pray that you would help them, Lord, somehow once more by your spirit just to be captivated by one another and by love. I pray for young people in this congregation, some of whom have never seen a loving relationship, never seen a man treat a woman respectfully, never seen sexuality portrayed in a godly way. They need the church. They need the people of God to show them an example of family and marriage and love and sexuality. And God, I just pray that we can be that church for our children and for our grandchildren. It's embarrassing to say some of these things. It's embarrassing. It's hard to be so transparent with one another. So much at stake. God, bless the singles in this congregation, those who are, who are hoping to be married, some, Lord, who don't even expect that. Lord, I pray that you'll give them lives of fulfillment and love and fullness, Lord, in whatever plan you have for them. I pray, Lord, for our young people as they grow, that they will grow to be men and women who will one day be true lovers. God, bless them all. And bless all of us, Lord, as we strive to love our husbands and our wives and as we strive to love you most of all. God, truly, you are the source of love. And the further we get from you, the less and less love we feel in our lives. Oh, God, draw us near to you so that we can draw near to one another. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the word that always seems to say exactly what we need to hear. Lord, let your word tonight find its target in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name, but for the sake of our families. Amen.